Who's ready for a big word today? Awesome. I like that guy's reaction right there. You know, truth is, for me, I don't know if other pastors experience this or not, but, you know, coming to Christmas and Easter, these huge days, um, you know, it's just, there, it's a lot more goes into the preparation of that message, for me at least, because, um, you know, you, you're telling that story every year, and you're, but the thing is that I think that the point we have to get is sometimes when things become routine or mundane or repetitious, there's, there's a risk in us losing or missing some of the depth and the power that really is behind that thing. And I think that that's the way this is with our Christmas story and actually the title of our message today. It's nothing original at all. It's just joy to the world. But I was reading these story, this, these passages and studying the Christmas story over the last few weeks, and it just started kind of jumping out at me in a different way. And I started to see how when Jesus came and he was born into this earth, when he was uh, born in Bethlehem, that at that moment, something significant changed here in the earth. There was an explosion of joy that actually came out of the heavenly realm. It was like the, the two realms collided. The heavenly realm exploded into the natural realm, and joy came on the scene in a way like it never was before. And that, that statement, joy to the world, having joy in our lives, is something that is so important for every one of us to grab hold of and to live in. I want to, my, my burden here is to encourage us and to help us be equipped to cultivate an environment of joy in our homes and in our families. Does that make sense? Because you know, you are responsible for the environment that you're creating. Do you agree with that? And if you don't create an environment, then guess what? By default, one will be created for you. But praise God, we have this awesome thing called authority that Jesus gave us through Him to where we can actually create through Him the environment that we want to see in our homes, in our families, that we raise our kids and we raise a generation up in. And I feel like that in our nation today, there is just a severe lack of joy. It, it, there's just a, a brokenness, there's a, a downtrodden, sullen kind of nature to way too many people in way too many homes in our world today. Uh, experts tell us that we are becoming the most depressed society on the planet. Can you believe that? Here in the United States, clinically, it's actually verifiable if you look at all of the diagnoses. There are seven, eight-year-old children that are being diagnosed with depression at rampant rates today, being put on medicine, being uh, put into different clinics and things like that. And I guess what I feel like saying is, that's not okay. I'm not okay with that. We should not be okay with that. We, the church, right? We should, we should contend for a different picture a different reality. And I think that this story of 
Jesus coming to earth and being born is a picture of an explosion of joy that came on the scene that is available for all of us to rest in, to live in, not to hear about, not to kind of something that evades us, but to actually live our lives out of that place every single day. I think that when we see Nehemiah say that joy of the Lord is our strength, we need to recognize that there's a strength we need to walk out our life in this world. There are forces against us out there and against our families. But if we will have joy, unspeakable kind of joy, that is just more and deeper and more alive than anything the world could offer us, then we can, create a, we can create an atmosphere of that in our homes, raise our kids up, and be a strong people like God is calling us to be. Christians ought to be strong and victorious and full of joy every single day in their lives. I'm not saying things don't happen. They do. I'm saying that you know a joy deep in your spirit, in your soul, in a way that nothing in the world can take it from you. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to give us that. The psalmist assures us that there is fullness of joy in God's presence. Psalm 1611, it says, In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. It, it, it takes that definition, whatever you think of in your mind when you think of joy or what that definition is, it takes that and it just blows the lid off of it and takes it to a level that we can't even fully wrap our minds around. That's the kind of joy that God wants to give you. And it's, He is the only place that it can be found. And in His presence, there's fullness of that. Psalmist also tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? God wants you to delight yourself in Him. That is a magnificent invitation that we ought to all be taking advantage of every single day. I think that we, want to we need to take responsibility and say, you know what, this, is, this situation that's happening, this depression that's manic across our land, this is not okay. And we've got to put an end to this. And we are going to be a people who live in a place of joy and that we will take that into the world around us. We, it starts by cultivating that environment right in your own home. You can't go out and do things effectively in the world if you can't do them well right in your own home. Would you agree with that? It starts by cultivating that environment there. And you saturate yourself in it. You just soak in that environment all of the time and you take that with you and you release that into other environments around you wherever you go. That joy that the world is so hungry for, is so desperate for, and for many out there, they've tried every other option, solution, anything that can be prescribed. And folks, it's just not getting the job done. But there is a solution that can actually satisfy this need in our soul. And it's Jesus. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the, some of the Christmas story here today out of Luke's account. And I just want to maybe draw your attention to a few things in a fresh way. 
that possibly uh, you haven't seen before or most importantly, that will release something in you to go out of here and live your life from a place of joy and of strength. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, supernaturally. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger." because there was no room for them in the inn. And we know from Matthew's story, obviously, that says that she, they named him Jesus. Just in these few verses alone, right here, there are a number of prophecies that are all fulfilled just in the birth of Jesus alone. You know, there were prophecies all through the Old Testament for hundreds of years. And one man, Jesus, came and fulfilled every single one of them to a T. Impossible odds. But with God, nothing is impossible. And so we know that the scriptures prophesied the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And look at the, the way God just worked on the scene and designed things so that this family would travel to go into Bethlehem and just happened to be there at the time of our Savior's birth. He was of the lineage of David. He was born of a virgin. We know all these things the scriptures spoke about. And Jesus comes along and he fulfills them to a T. It also says, this just hit me. I don't know why this struck me, but I was reading this this week. Jesus was swaddled. You ever think about that? Just me. Okay. Well, that was weird. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I mean, we have six kids, and it took me a few of them into the process before I finally got the swaddling thing down. Parents, can you, any parent relate, right? I mean, it is not, it, it, it looks so much easier than it really is. My wife was a master. I mean, she'd wrap them up in that thing, you know. You got to like lay it down on a, like a triangle and you lay the baby on there and you, you pull one side over and you kind of push the little arms down and you fold the bottom up and then you wrap it and you got to wrap it a couple times and you, the key is the tuck, how you tuck that in. And I never could get the tuck down, Julie. I just, it was, they bust out of that thing, you know. They just come exploding out of there. <sighs> finally, several kids in, I finally got it figured out. But Jesus was swaddled. And I guess that struck me so much because I could see that here's God. He's perfectly God, but he's also flesh, which was absolutely necessary for the mission that the Messiah would come to bring us back into relationship with God. We couldn't have seen that. They couldn't have seen that at the time. But God's ways are always higher than our ways. His thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. And he came on the scene and with perfection, he executed the greatest mission that's ever been done. I love that. And that's what this season is all about. No matter how caught up 
the world gets in the consumerism side of things or all the stuff that goes on, make no mistake, there wouldn't be a Christmas if it weren't for a birth of a child from a virgin. That's what this thing is all about. And when we begin to immerse ourselves in a relationship with Jesus, because He came to offer that, He's making it abundantly available to us, and when we immerse ourselves in that relationship with Him, folks, you will begin to know a joy like you could never know any other way. He is the source of that. L listen to the rest of these verses here. In verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, knowing, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, listen to this, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. It comes from that verse right there. The angel says, Behold, I bring to you good news of joy that a Savior has been born. Joy available to the world. It's there for us. A place that we can live from that supersedes any kind of joy that a material world can offer us. And if we don't live from that place, we will be severely lacking what God wants to equip us with so that we can live out a life of purpose and destiny that he's created us for. I just think sometimes when I see people who live in this down, downwards just spiral all the time, I think, man, that's not what God did what he did for you to have. That's not the picture that he came to set you free from and what he wants to offer you. It's just, it's like something rises up in me when I read these reports and I read these articles and I hear from, you know, all these different statistics of where we are getting as a nation and this absolute lack of joy that is rampant over our land. I feel like we just got to do something about it. And so the angel says here, uh, and this will be a sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, swaddling, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill towards men. There's, these, there's this like orchestra of angels that God somehow like unveils the eyes of these shepherds to be able to look up in the sky and see. And the key is, what are these angels doing? They're worshiping and praising God, and they are leaping with joy over what's happened. Do you see that? 
I mean, the, the picture is that these angels, it says they just kind of fade back away. Once, once the shepherds see them go away, then they head into Bethlehem. It's like God just kind of like tore through the natural realm and came in and showed a picture to them of something that was truly happening in the heavenlies. Can I tell you something? Right now, it's happening as well. It never ceases to happen in the spiritual realm. All of the angels are facing the face of God. They're watching him. They're worshiping him. And they're waiting for him to give them assignments to do his bidding. There's a worship that's constantly going on. And it's a picture of how we should and can live our lives. From a place of joy and of worship. Because when we truly encounter Jesus truly encounter him, then there is no other reaction but joy that comes. Listen to all of these people in the story. We just talked about the angels. We know that the shepherds, says they went in, saw the baby, and then they went off to their land, and they were rejoicing and celebrating and sharing the good news with everybody. There's an explosion of joy that's happening. We see in Matthew's account that there were wise men also known as Magi, that came from the east. It says they came following a star. That star actually came and sat and rested over Bethlehem so that they could go there. This is just, this is miraculous. We should never stop being in awe of the things of God. When you study astrology, there's no explanation. This could never happen. A star could not move and stop and then sit right over a city. It's, it's, astrologically impossible. That was pretty good. I like that. All right. Write that down real quick. All these things are happening. These magi, they come and they, they see the baby. And when they see him, do you know what they did? It says they fell to their face and they worshiped him. They rejoiced because they, they stepped into an atmosphere in a reality where something was happening, where they had an encounter that they just exploded with a kind of joy that they had never known before that. And let me say this, that the world had never known joy prior to Jesus coming the way that we can now since he did what he did. It changed the whole dynamic and the whole atmosphere for us and how we can relate, interact, and have relationship with God. Jesus did that for us. He made a way. We know that there was a guy named Simeon who worked, who was in the temple when Jesus was brought to be dedicated and circumcised. And when he saw Jesus, God had somehow supernaturally given him a revelation that he would see the Messiah before he died. And when this man set eyes on that baby, he exploded with joy as well. He said, praise God, I can go in peace now to be with the Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Everything about Jesus makes me want to shout, makes me excited, causes me to have joy. I just need to be with him if I want to have what he has available for me. 
everything about time with God, relationship with Him. It, it sustains me. It strengthens me. It just it produces this force in my life that when I live on fire with purpose, I'm living on fire with purpose because I've been with the author of that purpose. I've been with the one who made it so and who's infusing me with His love, with His joy in a way that I can walk this thing out the way that He wants me to. We cannot do that if we don't have that kind of joy. Amen? Amen. And so these magi, they rejoice and they fall to their face and they worship God. We see that everything about this story points to the fact that when Jesus came, there was an explosion of joy on the earth. And it's been radiating ever since for those who will feast at that banquet table. God's offering it to us. He says, in my presence is fullness of joy. Why would we not want to be in his presence all the time? That joy percolating, resonating, building like a geyser and just coming forth in our lives all the time. We are the stewards of the environments around us. You have authority in your home and in your family. And you have the right to, to create an environment of joy all around you so that that can saturate everything about the way you raise your family up. We need that in our homes today. We need more and more families across our land where there's an environment in their homes that's sanctified, that's protected, that's being cultivated, being nourished, and being built up so that whenever our young children grow up and they go out to be who God's called them to be, they take that with them as well. This is a fight that the enemy has brought to our doorstep, and he's not going to back down. He's not going to walk away. In fact, if I'm honest, it almost looks like he's winning that fight out there in the United States right now in this particular area. Statistically, it'd be hard to argue he's not. I'm just not okay with that. I am not okay with that. As the church, we have the answer. We have the solution. We know the source of infinite joy. Infinite joy. And we must be responsible for cultivating these environments and taking this with us wherever we go. If we don't, Cam, if we don't, then there will be a different environment that is created for us. You probably heard, you know, gardeners will say, hey, if you, if you want weeds in your garden, it's real easy. Just do nothing. Yeah. Right? Because they'll just come up. But if you go out and you, you nurture the fruit but you also pull out the weeds, what you do is you create an environment that's ripe for growth. And then growth occurs, right? We're not doing the growing. We're just creating the environment. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going somewhere with this right now. <laughs> hallelujah. God brings the increase. He's the one that does the supernatural. But he's saying, I am calling you to be a steward of the environment around you to cultivate it with my presence, cultivate the atmosphere so that there's always healthy conditions in the soil of your life for me to raise up and birth fresh new works and things in you that will produce fruit abundantly in this world. Hallelujah. 
feel like I'm getting into a charismatic mode all of a sudden here. But I suppose that that's really what, of all things, that God was speaking to me this, this Christmas season is, you know, there is, there is this amazing joy to be found, to be had, and to be lived out every single day. We don't have to go to faraway places to go be in the presence of God. You understand, he changed all that. Before Jesus came, the, the conditions of God's presence were different. People could be in God's presence. We know that the Holy Spirit would fall upon men. We know the Holy Spirit inspired the writers, the scribes of the scriptures. I mean, so there was God's presence, and it was on the earth, and it did come in different ways in different times, but there wasn't the indwelling presence in the human heart. That's what Jesus made a way for. So that we could be regenerated in our spirit and actually have the presence of the living God on the inside of us. That means you don't have to look to some distant land or some faraway place to get in the presence of our Lord. All you have to do is make time, set it aside, and be with Him. Just be with Him. Whether it's a moment, whether it's hours, the, our life should be sprinkled all throughout the day. Do you get that? With these interactions with God, this presence that we have in our lives. And then if we do that, James, we will be exploding with joy in this world. It'll just mark ev everything we do. People ought to be like, man, that guy's a happy person, man. <laughs> she is one happy lady. Yeah, I know... I know people who every time, I, I mean, I don't know if they've ever had a bad day. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just always smiling. I mean, I know they have, but they're always smiling. They're always in a good mood. The people I know who are the happiest are the people who cultivate a white-hot relationship with God. They know how to get in the presence, and they do it often. I had, I had this kind of illustration that I did one time, and I want to close with this. If you have your phones, I don't normally do this in service, but take your phone out for just a second and open up your text app. Don't start texting anybody. But <laughs> and I want you to think about who is the person that you communicate the most with? Who's the person that... You're just, every day you're, you're interacting, right? Should be your husband or your wife if you're married. For mine, it's, it's obviously my wife. And so I would open up that text thread between Katie and I, or you open up a text thread between you and whoever that person is. And I want you to just scroll down, just quickly, just kind of scroll down and look at how consistent the interaction is. I mean, we, we communicate all day long. When we're not with each other, send in texts. Hey, where are you at? How's your day going? Stopping by the store. You need anything? I love you, babe. It, it's just, it's like an unbroken, you know what I'm saying? It's just, there's consistent, everyday interaction and relationship. And so now here's what I want you to do. I want you to create, just for demonstration's sake, I want you to create a text thread with God. I want you to put God in there. And I want to ask you this. If you were looking back over the last number of days, weeks, or months, what would that text thread look like? 
how much interaction would be, there be between you and God? How many moments are you just sitting in your father's arms and just letting him love you? How many times are you just pouring out your heart, how you feel, how you're hurting, what you need? Because that's who God wants to be for you. And no one else in this world can be that. He's the only one. And when we live from that place, that relationship, folks, there is just an unspeakable kind of joy that it will mark our lives. The world needs to see that. And that is what an authentic Christian life, in my opinion, looks like. Somebody who just lives from a place of joy and as Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so there is a strength from which they live. But that strength is fueled, empowered by a joy that's constantly just being stoked on the inside. I pray through this next number of days, this week, and this holiday season, as you travel, you go to be with family, do all these different things, I pray that you will seize the moments. You will seize the opportunities to just focus your eyes and your attention on God. Speak about Him with your kids. Share Him with others. And then release that into the environments wherever you go. And be a person who is altering and changing environments all around you. You've probably heard it said, you can either be a thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer reads the temperature. A thermostat sets it. God is gives good one. Yeah, I didn't come up with it, but it, I suppose I could. I don't know. But we have the ability to alter the spiritual climate around us. What a great responsibility. What an awesome opportunity. The Bible says about King David, and I will I'll close with this. It says that when he was done Serving God in his generation, he fell asleep. God puts you on this earth now, not by mistake, in this generation, in this age that we live. Make no mistake, he has a plan and a purpose to use you in it. Let it be said of all of us, when we serve God with all of our heart in our own generation, and then we fell asleep and went to be with him in eternity. Hallelujah. May you know the joy of the Lord in unprecedented ways the rest of your life.